On today's show, we are getting to know Benji. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The link's in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to know. Getting to hope you like me Because I'm good enough Getting to know you Putting it my way But nicely I'm smart enough You are precisely And doggone it My cup of tea And Benji wasted no time flexing the California weather on my sorry southern Delaware ass Benji, thank you so much for coming on the pod and letting people get to know you I appreciate it Yes, sir. I mean, you know, I, you know, I got to rub it in. I know, you know, people talk about prices and all that kind of stuff. We got to throw something back at you guys, you know. <laughs> Dude, I've I've never been to California, but what I hear about like the restrictions, the way that like basically Joe Rogan portrays it, the restrictions, the homelessness, the gas prices, the taxes, like it just goes on and on. And it's like, well, then why is everybody stay there, live there? And it comes down to well, the weather, right? <laughs> I mean, it's weather, and then think of this, man. In California, it's like a huge melting pot. You got everything here. You got every nationality, everything you want to cook, every place you want to go. The weather is 70 degrees, 75, you know, unless you're in the desert areas throughout the year. Yeah, it has its downs, you know what I mean, in terms of the gas prices, things of that nature, taxes, all of that. But my response always to that is, is, man, you just got to be on your game. You know what I mean? If you're going to make it happen, if you're in California, you got to be on it. But think of this. Absolutely every day there's something 
dope to do in California. Like, and when I mean dope, I mean just off the top dope. So it, it has its perks, but you know what I mean? It, it's, hey, it's, it's Cali. We got to love it. And I'm not even from here and I love it, so. I was wondering, because that's almost, that, that's kind of the stereotype, is like nobody's actually from California that lives there? Right. Um, and, and it's weird because, uh, I wouldn't say totally, because you have the, those who are just staples, you know what I mean? They've been here forever, you know what I mean? And they kind of teach you the ropes, you know what I mean? You, mm -hmm. you watch them, you listen to them, they kind of teach you the ropes off the top. And if you listen, I mean, you know, it's just some dope experiences out here that you can just gravitate to. So I'm all for it. They call it the land of milk and honey. But hey, you know, if we get honey, we cool. If we get milk, we cool. So. <laughs> and when you get both, you're blessed. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, man. No complaints whatsoever. <laughs> Where Where'd you move from? I actually am originally from Dallas, Texas. Oh, no way. Okay. Uh, so, of course, grew up there, grew up in the uh, Texas area in Dallas, and uh, got to about 1997, I uh, was about 19, but 1997, I was uh, given a uh, dope opportunity to uh, leave the circumstances I was in, which were actually pretty chaotic, you know what I mean? So... Uh, a close family, uh, one of my uncles was like, yo, like, we, we want to, we want you to get out of here. You know what I mean? There's nothing for you back here. You want to come California? And they set me up, brought me out here and uh, I've been out here since 1997. So. Oh, wow. Um, did the family, did your family move out with you or did you already have family out in California to like yeah, support well, you on the move? It move out here with me. It was one of those situations where I needed to get away from family. When you understand circumstances oh. uh, where I come from, um, story. I'm story back home is major news. You know what I mean? Back in '87, '88, mom and my family were into uh, you know illegal game, pretty heavy drug game, and uh, cost a lot of lives. Cost a lot of family. Cost me my mom, my little brother, things of that nature. And uh, just kind of navigated through that from a kid up until I was about 19. And um, just I, one of the most amazing events I'll ever remember in my life. And my, my uncle comes to my grandfather's funeral, you know, and he's like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And I, you know, gave him the run around the story. You know, I'm high at the funeral. Uh. <laughs> so and he's like, man, um, I, I, I came, I honestly, I came here to come and get you. wanted to know if you wanted to come to uh, California. And at the time, I, you know, I was like, uh, you know, hesitant. It wasn't, you know, up on, you know, that. But uh, um, my brother, I have an older brother, basically forced me. He was like, yo, like, no, you need to go. This is a better opportunity for you to get you out of these streets and this chaos and all of that. And so came to California. On your March 12th, 1997, and been here ever since. So, how it's something. So, I'm a middle school teacher, and I, um, mid, middle school is basically ages like 12 to 14, 15. Right. And I have, um, relationships with just you get to know kids, and there's a couple of kids that teeter where the lifestyle is appealing. And I'm very surprised at how open they are to the fact that. They like they already know how to buy low, sell high, buy in bulk, yeah. you know, distribute. Yeah. They already understand right. like a distribution chain in essence. And you're right. like, 
Wow. That, the, the mindset's right. impressive. It sucks that you're going about illegal things, but the right. business acumen is there. And right. for them, it's a little bit of the lifestyle that draws them in. They like the fact that they have that like rebellious, outlaw, illegal yeah. kind of, I don't know, like brand. It's their rep. And yes. I'm curious, was that kind of, were you battling anything like that when you yeah. were making the decision uh, to leave? Yes, even though I was as green as the grass when it comes to it, um, I, it's what I grew up around. So when you're around that, you kind of gravitate to it, you know, the kind of victim of your own circumstances, so to speak, you know what I mean? But you do also learn a lot of do's and don'ts. If you are fortunate enough, I was fortunate enough to have an older brother who was like, nah, you're not getting into that. But couldn't help but to see it, you know what I mean? So saw the game from a, a bystander, so to speak, uh, point of view. And uh, saw the ups, saw the downs, saw the benefits, saw the perks. Can you imagine a kid who is making more than his teachers? Yeah. So it's, I, <laughs> it's so hard to argue, man. Like you go to these kids and you try to use like math and logic and they'll be right. like, wait, how much do you make? And like, I have a graduate right. degree. And they're like, right. wait, so all you clear is like 2,500 every two weeks. So you're making 12 a week. So, so yeah. five days a week, you're making $200 a day. How long you work? Right. And then you got to prepare. And then you got to do that for what? 20 more years yeah. to retire. And they're like, so, no doubt, dude. And they're like, wait, so no matter how much, like how hard you work, you don't get more. You just get it. Like you're limited. Like, why would right. you want to do that? And they hit you with really basic questions that it's like, but I have good benefits. Right. <laughs> and, and they're like, and, I don't need dental. You know? And it's amazing that at a young age, um, you're taught that and you know that. And But here's the downside of it is that most don't get the chance to translate that over into a legit business because it right. is a fast lifestyle. It is a lifestyle where any day, like you, you, you're, you're in danger. You're, you're always watching your back. But when you're out there, man, you don't 25 to life or whatever. That doesn't really cross your mind because every, you, you look at it as everything is risky for me anyway. You get what I'm saying? So you yeah. push that concept to the back because you're like, you know what? Hey, either I'm going to make it doing this. Cause, and part of that is, there's not many options that you see that you're productive at. Cause you gotta remember you're in the hood. So either you can ball, you can play basketball, you can play football, or that's what's shown to you on a constant basis. So if you can't ball, you may have tried it. You can't ball. Like, ain't nobody teaching you how to become a CEO or, uh, uh, uh or you're not listening. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like I said, you don't want the teacher salary cause you see them driving, uh, the Toyota Corollas yeah. and the this is like like the homie on the on the hood he on dubs like he yeah. and he pulling up passing out money all the time and that's just an allure to it and you gravitate to it because it just it's the glitz and the glamour of it but all of us don't aren't fortunate enough to get that opportunity to where it's like you know what I I, I can make it out of this if you're fortunate enough you definitely are the type that's giving a different type of advice. You know what I'm saying? If you make it out of those environments. And I, I'm, I don't know how to say it. And I feel like it might be insulting, 
but and I don't mean it in any way, but I'm curious, like, what made you special where they where, where your family was supportive of you leaving, but them staying? So um, it's not offensive um, and nothing you'll nothing you'll say because we're getting to know each other. Nothing you'll say in this moment <laughs> will be offensive. Appreciate that. Is, it's always like a weird, open. awkward dance. I'm never like very confident in how I question, but like I, I have pure and decent intentions, if that makes sense. Right. So yeah. I, I appreciate no, that. Thank you. And we're on this platform to get to know. So, you know what I'm saying? We're not trying to uh, uh, um, make it awkward or anything like that. We want, this is part of the process. We want to get to know, but I'm going to say I was fortunate enough because my mom raised my brother to look out for me. You think my brother's four years older than me. So um, I, I was raised in that environment to where it was like, nah, from uh, a, a baby. You know, my brother was watching me at five years old. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that was like his thing. And what's funny is we just, me and my brother have never really, really, really talked about the circumstances surrounding us. Up until recently, we just did a show on uh, the, uh, our podcast, our five session podcast with, uh, and we talked about some in-depth stuff, but I, I wasn't, he watched me like a hawk. He was like the bully over my life. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so whatever I wanted to do, he knew the game already. And he was like, nah, you're not doing it. Nah, you're not. So I was in a sense, man, I had a, a guardian angels, man. I've had, uh, uh, people looking out for me. It's, and I give my brother this props all the time, man. You basically he saved my life. Uh, he's the one who told me to get on the plane, get out of here. And I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay in our environment because, again, that's all you know. And you introduce something different to another kid, it brings up a whole other world that you might not, you're not even ready for. And so that's how I was fortunate enough to get out because I had my brother, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, for a big portion of growing up. So, how come do you have a reason why you guys never got into it? As far as just reflecting, talking back, thinking back, I it, guess it's so deep, man. Can you imagine a kid dealing with these traumatic experiences and not knowing how to actually interpret them or speak them? And then on top of that, there's really not no one to talk to. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's not someone you can just walk up to, you know, as a 13-year-old kid, 8-year-old kid, you know, and really talk about these things. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Psychologists, you know, and we dig into the history of that. That's a whole nother story. They didn't believe we were smart enough to actually warrant needing psychological help or therapy or anything like that. And so psychology and therapy are actually rooted in that. So... There's no one to talk to. So me and my brother, we never knew how to articulate those things. So you just don't talk about it. And then as you get older, man, you get distant and you get, um, uh, um, what's the right word? You get uh, defensive, you know what I mean? Because it's like you got to deal with it, but you don't know how to deal with it. So the best way you do it is you just shut it off. Yeah. Like you don't talk, you don't really discuss it because... What if you find out something you don't really want to know? And in that process, we did. We found out things that we really didn't want to know. And that made us look at family a little bit different. 
And so once you start uncovering things, you open that Pandora's box, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, you know. So and so did that. And so it, it, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation though. Gotcha. So from your perspective, because yeah, that's, I kind of was like interpreting it or taking it as like, yeah, it sucks. I got to leave, but I'm grateful from your perspective. Right. Were you actually right. grateful for leaving or did it like actually build some sort of like resentment and separation? I'm or? glad I wasn't a thinking kid back then because I probably <laughs> would have talked my out of, of going because I said out of my mouth, I didn't want to go. Right. So your mind is stuck in. If, I'm not sure if you're a biblical person or not, but if you go study the uh, little bit, uh, if you're studying, you like to read uh, Israel when they got out of under Pharaoh's hand, they still were complaining. Uh, they yeah. still had because they were so used to their surroundings. That's what they knew. Even though Pharaoh was the worst to them, you become loyal to a fault. To what you know already because that's all you know yeah they asked to go back right the israelites yeah like they, they were out there i think it was just a couple weeks or something and they were like let's turn around <laughs> and slavery will be I, better <laughs> and they start blaming god god you brought us out here to die and all of these types of things and that's so the true. logic so i'm glad i wasn't a thinking person back then and i actually allowed the people who were or I would say the people or the people who were looking out for me actually allowed them to make that decision. Because ultimately, whether you get out of a circumstance or not, you know what I mean? You, you at least have a chance to live. Mm. You get what I'm saying? And that's where when I got here to California, that's what, man, I actually have a chance to live. And that's when the gratefulness kicked in. When I didn't have to, here I am living with people who work every day, get up at 3 a.m., hit the freeway, work every day, you know, that type of thing. At least I don't have to fight the next man for a piece of bread or a sandwich. Like, the Cheerios, you can have some Cheerios, bro. Like, <laughs> we got enough. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> we it's got like, enough. <laughs> yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, you, you ain't got you ain't gotta fight for this. You get what I'm saying? You hungry? Sit down at the table. Here's the spaghetti. Here's this bread. Yeah. How much you want? Boom, boom, boom. It's there. You get what I'm saying? And yeah. you don't have to be in survival mode. Um, and um, I had to relearn. I had to get out of survival mode and learn new tactics. And that, at 19, 20 years old, is another challenge. But you're fortunate, you're grateful because now you're out. You ain't got to look over your shoulders every every minute. You can sleep in peace, you know what I mean? Uh, because you know ain't nobody kicking in the door over here. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. it's a whole different level of, of peace and comfort. And that actually scared me too when I got out here. So that's oh, another yeah. story. <laughs> no, well, I was wondering, like you hear stories about people go to the country and then like all of a sudden it's too quiet. You know, and they, right. they need the noise because for some reason they feel safe within it. And I was curious, yes. like, how long it took you to feel acclimated or to maybe, like, sleep through a night and be wake up and not have that, like, weird feeling of where am I when I wake right. up kind of a thing. It took a little while. And to be honest, I literally only stayed with my, my uncle and my aunt for maybe a year because it was new territory. So it was very unsettling. And so here you are, you're a kid, and you know you know you want different, but now you have to actually be in the moment 
and then you have to actually implement new the things that you say you want. Sim- similar to planning a rose. I remember, and I tell this story all the time, my uncle was really tough on me when I got here, uh, but I needed that, you know what I mean? Because you, when you're a freelancer, you do whatever you want to do, you just whatever, but um, he asked me to plant these roses in the backyard. And I just kind of did them haphazardly. It was like, whatever, you know, who cares? You know what I mean? And so the first time I heard the man cuss, who was deeply religious, he blessed me out. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's a whole different level of learning because now I have to teach you how to be a man. Mm-hmm. And that don't come overnight. And he was willing to spend the time with me. But in the process, that scared the hell out of me. Because now I got to work. I've never had to work a day in my life. That accountability, man. Yeah. And it was like, huh? It's like, what? You got to be in at a certain time because we get up for work. We leave at 3 a.m. in the morning. So we can't have you coming in at 10, 12, 1 o'clock at night, drinking liquor, smoking weed in my house. and this. And so it's a whole different ball game. And so I had to learn. And I didn't really feel normal until I left and realized what I left. That's when the light bulb kicked in was like, oh, shoot. I could food whenever I wanted, drive some of the nicest cars, live in this big house. Uh, all I had to pay was a phone bill. And I was <laughs> complaining about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got the time the little dial tone phone. Yeah. yeah. Like 90 So it's like, and that's like 40, 50 bucks or whatever. And didn't realize all they were trying to do was teach me a little bit of responsibility. Yeah. And that freaked me out. And so, and if it was in your name, maybe build up your credit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but nobody's talking to us about credit, you know. What I mean? Yeah. Now that's, I mean, dude, it's very okay. under, you know what I mean? It's underrated and understated, and I, I don't know if I get this savior complex as a teacher, where I'm like, <laughs> so there's this big push about like due dates are flexible. So, you know, you can turn it in. Oh, if you didn't get it in, get it in at some point because it's more about the feedback than the completion, which in theory I think is good, right? Because you want kids, if they don't do something, to actually do it so that they can learn the skill and get feedback in order to get better at whatever it is, addition, writing, algebra. But at the same time, I'm like, so now all these kids are getting growing up being like bills due on the first, payments due on the 15th, whatever. And like, you just get to do that whenever you want. So, you know, like that, that part of me of like the people who turn things in on time, who show up on time, that to me, that equals credit and reliability and your reputation on paper. And now your, your ability to borrow against your credit score, like all that matters. And then you realize you're talking about 11 year olds and it's like, should I be the one that has to do the line, line in the sand? But you need someone in your life to help you with that and to keep you accountable to just if you want to grow up with decent credit, with the ability to have options, you need right. to pay something on time. You need to be reliable. You do. And sadly enough, if we don't get to, I'm fortunate, man. Like I'm very, very, very fortunate uh, to be 19, 20 years old and then have to learn how to be a man from 19, 20 years old instead of being the kid who grew up learning these principles and implementing them at 19 and 20. That's the that's the difference. Um, it's easier, Frederick Douglass says, to uh, uh, rebuild and build children than it is to rebuild adults. Because now you got trauma and issues and stuff to deal with. 
So I'm very fortunate. That's what I, I'm forever grateful for just the fact, fact that I'm alive today. But the fact that I was given another chance at life to do something different is pretty dope. But I will say, I think where uh, some of the issues come in at is that pair of styles matter. Some kids do well with accountability and some don't yeah. because they're in a household where that doesn't matter to them. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. we need to give them a little bit of leeway. I, I, I remember this story. I went to uh, Lincoln High School in uh, Dallas, Texas, and I had transferred over there. And um, I'm, I'm there and a teacher, I go in her class. And this is how scared of accountability I was. She walked up to me. She looked at me and she said, you're not no dummy. She's like, you're small. She's like, I can see it. You're, 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 you're no dummy. Quit acting hood, quit acting this and this and that. And she's like, I'm going to be on you like white on rice. And that scared the heck out of me. Hmm. And I never went back to her class. <laughs> I always skip her class. I didn't care what the consequences was because although she was trying to you know, teach me some accountability and things of that nature, man, I'm from the hood. I'm like 16 years, 15, 16 years old right now. I ain't trying to hear that stuff you're talking about right now. I want to be able to leave school and go party, go smoke a blunt, go grab my drink, go call the nearest girl and do whatever I want to do. And that scared the heck out of me. So there is an approach, I believe, just from a personal experience with me. There are some kids who literally feel that and that anxiety hits them, and they would rather, like, yo, like, nah, we're not doing that no more. You get what I'm saying? So they'll walk away from a positive experience because they think, think it's a detriment to them. When all the time, it's literally there for a help. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, I, I don't know. And, like, what you had said earlier about not having the words and not realizing you don't have the life experience and the perspective to realize that. Like, 25 to life doesn't mean anything to a 15-year-old that's worried about right that moment like there is right. no tomorrow there is not even this evening because it's always like what is in the moment how can i get through this moment right because we're not uh and i don't mean to be so dramatic about it but you don't look at living a long life that's not in your mind because you don't yeah. grow up you don't grow up in that atmosphere so you're always thinking short term you know what I mean? Dude. And so that's a bad detriment in a lot of cases. So I, um, so I, I, uh, I coach basketball and I was, I have an assistant who, um, came in to help me out for the last couple of years and just, we had gone to high school together. Then he winds up working in the school. So we kind of like, we didn't really know each other in high school, but you know, both into basketball, both want to be positive influences to kids, both want to give our time. So then you just start talking and um, I get into a little bit of like day trading. I got into stocks on my own, uh, a little heavier with COVID because, you know, you have the time and the market right. and the market was down. It was a great time to buy if you had cash. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's when they split was an awesome thing. I'll never forget. Tesla when they did the, it was great. I made some money off Tesla for sure. <laughs> yeah, dude, I went airline stocks and I, um, I did decent with my, I call them my Trump checks. You know, I was able to like double, triple down on my Trump checks. But, oh, God. Um, I started talking to him about this 529 college fund that I had set up for my daughter when she was, I, I started saving money immediately when she was born. I put $50, $100 paycheck a week away. And then I find out about this 529 and I'm like, holy shit, I wish I'd have known about this two years ago. So I put it in the 529. So he has a son 
And um, his son's like a maybe a freshman in high school at this time. And I'm like, dude, I tell me about this 529. He's like, wow, so you know a little bit about this. I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you right. mind if I bring a couple of my, my son and a couple of his friends so that they can just, we can kind of talk and expose them to this. So we're right. sitting there, there's maybe like six, seven of us in the room, a couple of teenage, like late teens, um, maybe one 20 year old and then he and I. And um, one of his sons looks at him and he's like, dad, how come you ain't do one of these 529s for me? His son who got a scholarship right. as an athlete going to right. a HBCU, like is a very Honest. business oriented individual, like super successful guy. And okay. I'll never forget it, man. He turns to his son and he goes, son, I didn't think I'd live to see you graduate right. high school, let alone make it to college. Right. I didn't know I'd hit 30, to be honest with you. So I right. didn't even have the intention of how can I prepare for this life? And it's right. one of those moments where, like, I never re- I never thought about that. As soon as I had my, as soon as I knew I was having a daughter, I'm immediately in preparation for her future right. mode. I'm planning 30 years out for this chick. She ain't even born yet. Right, right. And it's very hard you can try to be empathetic towards that, but I, I I don't know if you really can grasp it, grasp the mindset of it. Like like it it, it blew unless me away. You are unless you are unless you really is you know do an in deep you know dive study to where you go in and you learn some of these kids and their environment. Sometimes movies will portray it and show it to us a little bit. Uh, sometimes documentaries, things of that nature, will show it. But if you have a partner or homie or friend that you who grew up with you in those circumstances, like they they understand it ten times better, and it's hard to explain when the person who who you're you're talking to or whatever hasn't walked in those shoes. Yeah, it, it's kind of like you you also can hold a lot of some third degree grudges uh, in life because of the circumstance, just the circumstances alone you grew up in. Uh, so it's a very tricky situation. And I try to tell people, man, you know what? If you care at all, man, just try to listen. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> try to listen a little bit. You know what I mean? Because there are some situations out here that are dire, man. And I'm I'm in a position, man, where people sometimes don't even believe my story until I tell them, yo, like, it's online. There's there's <laughs> It's supposed to have been made out of a movie. It's supposed to be this. I'm like, go read it for yourself. You know what I mean? And then there goes the intrigue. So I know kind of the ins and outs of it. Where some people look at you, you didn't go through that. You're just trying to gain clout. No, I've been through this. I I lived through this. I experienced this. Go read about it. It's it's over there. And uh, so it becomes a whole different ball game. But I like that point because now I can articulate better now. Before, man... (laughs) <laughs> you don't know how to explain yourself and explain this thing because in, in most of it, you're not trying to give up too much information on your family. So you have to be careful along with that. And then it becomes a whole nother ball game. So you got to be very careful. So Man, I just, I, I thought of two things and I, I don't know w- which to focus on, but I'm, so I'm curious about the two and maybe I'll, I'll throw it up there and you can go with direction. I'm curious how you gain the articulation skills and I'm curious why you were hesitant to let people know about your family if you were removed from the situation. And I mean, you could go either well, direction, um, but right. that's where my I, mind was. I'll, ta- I'll tackle both of them. Um, I, always, <laughs> I always believed I was, I was the kid who was looked at as like the dumb kid. Uh, 
You get what I'm saying? Because I couldn't articulate. So what I did was I loved writing. Even as a young kid, I would always write. I loved writing. Even to this day, I loved writing. So the way I, when I finally learned how I learn, I found out, hey, if I write it down, because I'm a visual learner, if I write it down, if I jot these ideas down, even if I didn't understand what the book was saying, I would literally get the book and write the book out for myself. Oh, that, and just like that's how you read. Like that's how yeah. you processed what was going on to stay in it. Yeah. So I would write things down huh. and I would all jot them down. I couldn't articulate them. I couldn't. And I was like, I didn't know that word. So let me go look and see what that word means. And so that's what, how I became uh, able to articulate. And so from that point, learning my style, how I learn, how I pick things up, it made me dive into it more because then I started to become, when I spoke, a little bit more understanding to people. And then they were like, oh, okay, because I had been reading. I didn't understand a lot what I was reading, but because I was putting in the time, I started to learn, I started to learn. And then when I left there and came to California, um, I got into heavy, you know, religion heavy. And so I got into seminary and I got into all of those types of things. And I took my style into that. So I would always write down things. I would always write down ideas. I would literally read the Bible, wouldn't understand a lick of it, but I would write the <laughs> entire thing out and study every word that I didn't understand. And so I literally became like a surgeon when it came to trying to understand words. Then you start okay, so that word means that. Well, how do I apply it to this, what I'm reading? And so that made me read up on a word two and three times. And so it's like, hmm, that word means that. Does it apply to this? And so I became the thinker's thinker for myself because I got tired of people saying Benji was dumb. You get what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And so that became that part. And I, as I gravitated more, I still love to write and things of that nature. But Overall, when it comes to the, uh, we were wards of the court. So people didn't know we were alive. We had to go away. Oh. Can you imagine in an investigation, you don't know if they are alive or not. So it became this hush-hush thing. So we had to kind of go away. You get what I'm saying? And so in the process of going away, no one knew really where me and my brother was. Even though we were going to school, doing the normal things, right? We moved away from our surroundings. We had to get away. And so in that process, we got away, away. <laughs> and when I came to California, I'll never forget this. Um, the case back home uh, was very, very, very huge case, right? And so I remember the guys were supposed to pay a restitution fees, right? And so here I am. I was what I was in my my early twenties, and I get a call uh, that I need to call the county clerk, which was in Dallas, I'm in California now, and so you know, not knowing what it was, I gave him a call and I told him my name and so forth, and the lady said Benji, and she was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, it's Benji Banks. She's like, I don't believe this is you, and she put, she said, hold on, she put me on hold for some time. Then she came back and she's like, I need you to send me 
your ID, your birth certificate, your social security, everything, because we don't believe this is you. And I'm like, why not? She was like, because we thought you guys were dead. And so I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like they, people didn't even know we were still alive because of how crazy the case was. They just knew nothing. And so she thought she was sending this money to these guys were supposed to restitution. She thought she was just sending this money to somebody just trying to scam her. Hmm. And so she's like, we still have the paper clippings from that case on our wall because of how well-known the case was in Dallas, Texas, right? And so we had to kind of, like I said, we had to kind of get away. We couldn't be necessarily known because you're dealing with a high-profile case and all of those types of things. So it was pretty crazy, bro. Uh, 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 some stuff that, uh, like I said, me and my brother, we just really started talking about just recently uh, on our show uh, the last week. So it was it's, it was pretty crazy, but that's, that's part of the... Uh, <laughs> The circumstances surrounding it, man, it was a crazy experience, nevertheless. I'm super curious. Somebody being in a chaotic environment like that, you seem to take studying kind of seriously. I do, and I'll tell you why. Especially at a young uh, age. Like, like to me, that seems kind of rare to, to embrace it, it was, especially if people are telling you you're bad at it. You must have, right. like, a lot of, like... Not what's not defiance, but like what's a good word for like prove you wrong or oh you think that yeah resilient you think this I'm gonna show you resilience there's the word yep and that's me I was all I was because I was always the shortest I was never (laughs) the tallest I was never the handsomest I was never the you 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 think about underdog to the T like I didn't even think I was gonna grow I'm only five nine now. But imagine oh being in school and being super, super, super short. I didn't think I would grow, any of those things. So I'm, I'm the underdog mentality, so to speak, right? But people saying I was a particular thing motivated me to prove them wrong. Because it's like being called dummy, being called this, knowing you're not a dummy. It's just you don't know how to articulate it. But being in that space was like traumatizing to me because you felt like you couldn't, what could you do? Who could you be? Who could you become? And I felt those feelings as a kid because remember all that thing you're thinking about growing up is probably being a drug dealer. You love football, you love all these other things, but it's like those require a lot of dedication and things of that nature and support. And I didn't get that, you know, back then. So the way... I'm, I consider myself fortunate enough is to be able to say, you know what, I'm proving a lot of people wrong who looked at me a certain way back home. Um, now their 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 tone has changed. You know what I mean? And so to <laughs> me, that's how I've gotten through life. I, people who say I can't, I'm the resilient kid. Like if it makes sense to me in my head, oh, I'm going to knock this out. Like if I walk in the building and Like, you know, I don't think you can handle this. Um, I can get that done faster than the next person. I promise you that. And I put my word on it because I learned that all I, I, for me personally, I learned that all I have is me. And if that's really all you got, I can't fail. So I don't look to be a failure and that motivates me. So I gotta, I, I gotta put my, 
my all into it. And if I'm motivated and put my all into it, I'm gonna make it happen. And that's just kind of how I, I take things there. So, and I and I I like the fact that I can be, you know, sometimes the 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 smartest guy in the room sometimes, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Like that's, that's always a weird say. It's like, if you're the smartest guy in the room, go find a new room. But like, sometimes right. it is kind of, sometimes it's kind of nice to be like, nah, man, I can like run this thing. Cause I, I'm, I'm the top dog in this room. You know, like right. you need a balance. You honestly need a balance. You do. You do. And I, I I'm fortunate enough, man. Like I said, I've been around some amazing, I, this life out here in California has kind of put me in the path of some amazing people, man. Uh, some people who I was fortunate enough to glean from and look up to. And that to me, when I look back on all of it was kind of, even though I didn't get it, you know, at first glance, the fact that I was graced enough to be able to get several years of learning from men who took care of their wives, who got up at three o'clock in the morning to go to work, uh, from guys who ran companies, uh, from men who were preachers but stuck with it you know in that chaotic environment or whatever it can be i was fortunate enough to find men and women who had the same resiliency and that to me was like man that's attractive so i soaked up their game like a sponge mm. you know what i mean it's like gosh man this guy went from being uh, uh thought he was going to be a sports uh uh, uh clinician uh, that was derailed, and here he is now running a $2 billion a month mortgage company. He's resilient. He, he, he puts his head to the ground. He just makes smart decisions, and that to me was, like, so attractive, man. Like, not that I wanted to be him, but the fact that it was like, yo, like, if I take a little piece of that and apply it to my life, yeah. man, I get something out of this. And that is where I had to take life because – it's easy to look up to anybody else out in the streets. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was fortunate. Dude, it's almost like evolution. Like typically evolution, whatever, you have two organisms, they breed and like the dominant genetic traits allow right. for that organism to continue to reproduce, right? And then all of a sudden, if they're whatever, if they're bigger and it helps them in the environment, they have a better right. chance of making babies. But it can be understated the evolutionary impact of being in an environment and just being around smart decision-making responsibility right. where even if you don't want to wake up at three, the fact that, you know, the consistency of waking up at a certain time to get certain things done, punctuality, <laughs> you're like, Whoa, so I don't want to be the three o'clock guy, but I can be the seven o'clock guy and be just as successful because they know right. I'm going to be there at seven. Like that, that's huge for people to see. That, that is up. very huge, especially for the mind that's trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, I can say I didn't figure it out instantly because, like I said, it freaked me out, but it made an imprint. And sometimes I think um, when you talk about that evolution aspect, sometimes in that regard, we have to allow time for the seed to grow. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine told me this uh, with uh, my stock portfolio because when I first started trying to do it, I would check it every day. And this and he's like, dude, you don't plant a seed and go dig it up every day. Yeah. It's like you, you, you go out, you check it out, you water it, and you leave it alone. You, you, you speak to it, you pour a little water on it, make sure it's good, make sure it's straight, and then you leave it alone. You let it, you, you, you allow it its time. And that to me is like that grace point I talk about. 
where uh, uh, you get that time to actually learn and how to implement it and put it in place. And to me, that's very valuable. But like I said, everyone doesn't get that opportunity. But yeah, man, that's kind of, that's the breaks in this life sometimes, you know? You, yeah. you can get it and you may not have time to implement it. So I'm fortunate, like I said before. Um, just to put a wrap on it, if you don't mind. So I'm curious about like, if people listening wanted to Google the case, or if you're not comfortable with that, maybe given the episode number that you and your brother get yeah. into talking about that. And the I, you had mentioned the podcast earlier, but might as well mention it again. So either yes. or. I, I'll give you all the info on that. You guys could go check it out. And uh, uh, um, the last episode we did on the Fire Session podcast, which is F-I-Y-A-H, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. And it's episode 11 or 12. But either way, you can go look at that. And we're talking in depth with that. But if you want to look at the other cases, uh, the actual cases, the FBI cases, you can Google the Evelyn Banks murder case in 1987-88. And you'll find uh, Andrew Mashad, the guy who... Uh, did the Ted Bundy uh, documentary. He's actually narrating uh, the story from the Dallas Observer News. And uh, you can also find that on YouTube. There's some things on there. Uh, we always caution people because me and my brother haven't really talked about it. We got the, the insights of all of this because we grew up in it. Some of the stuff on there, you'll look at it and you'll be like, that's not true because that's our perspective. Like we we grew up in it so we know some of the stuff that they put out there wasn't legit. So we're kind of in a phase now where we're like, you know what, nah, like, this is how it happened. And they're like, well, how do you, like, we're the Banks boys. Like, we we grew up in this environment. Like, I still remember getting picked up by the police at, at school. So you know what I mean? So all of those things are, are in there. But you can find those uh, on there, and uh, you, you can check those out. And any of your listeners, man, if they're ever at a space to where they want to have these talks. I'm down. They can DM me. They can message me. You have my info. I'm an open book at this point in my life, man. I'm 43 and I'm happy to be alive. So <laughs> Dude, there's a lot of freedom that comes from that kind of perspective, right? Yes. Yeah. Put the information out there, man. Some kid, uh, uh, will, will hear it, see it. It maybe came from the same environment. Draw some inspiration from it, man, and it'll help them. So whether it be kid, adult, parent, whatever it may be, whoever it helps, man, like that's what that's what this is for me. So gotcha. Well, yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And yes, sir. And that's that's another thing I hadn't thought about is like portrayals of events, and I, I have not heard of it. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it probably when we're done. But like yeah. the portrayal versus the experience and right. it's, if it doesn't match up to your environment, man, that's gotta be frustrating to feel right. that a representation is inaccurate of something that I would imagine is pretty personal to you since it's your life. <laughs> and that's what makes it, uh, but again, I'm that resilient kid. Like I'm right. like, I'm, if you show me something and, and I know it's not factual, you know, I'm going to question it. I'm like, you know what? No. Well, how do you know? I grew up in the environment, dude. Like, and, and there's one clip on YouTube. We found it and they just aired it recently. 
And mind you, the reason these things weren't supposed to be aired is because the judge put a cap on these things. Uh, we were supposed to be able to write the books and all of those types of things and put it out there. But I literally went down one of the YouTube clips and was given the thumbs down on like all of the comments there and was like, that's my mom. That's inaccurate. And one guy was like, how do you know? I'm like, that's my mom. I'm the bank's kid who grew up in that household. So it's that type of thing. And so I'm just on a journey now uh, as I open up a little bit more about it, just ensure people understand, you know what? Sometimes what you see on TV isn't always yeah, right. <laughs> what the, 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 the truth, you know what I mean? So Dude, let me give you some insight on this actual story. What a, what a duality. And I, I remember, so the, it was a 30 for 30 of, on the Fab Five where Jalen Rose is talking about the marketing aspect. And I was too young to recognize it at the time. And, you know, now with college and licenses and NILs and all like it, they're allowed to profit. But when people get to profit off of your name, likeness, image, and you don't forget the whole, Hey, this is an accurate portrayal of how it happened to me. And just the truth aspect but on top of that, you kind of manipulate it in order to profit off of me? Like, yeah. what, dude, what a duality. I, I've never had to go to sleep with that in my head. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, you know what? It can be frustrating at times. But like I said, I'm that type to where once I see a loophole, okay, that's where I slide in now with, you know what? No, that's not true. So I look at it kind of as a blessing in disguise, so to speak, even though... It requires you to open up, articulate, and do all those things. But hey, I'm 43 years old now. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to express yourself and talk, you know. Yeah. But I told it's totally relatable because people have wrote stories, um, and again, part of that is because they didn't know we were alive, so to speak, or people were telling them we didn't exist. You know, I come from some shady people. You know what I mean? So. I, 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 being a loner kind of helps me a lot, but when you, when you learn that everyone doesn't have your best interests at heart, you just tend to be a little bit guarded, especially when you got a story out there about your mom, about your baby brother. And then I was fortunate enough to actually talk to the FBI agent who handled the case several years ago, um, was actually able to talk to him on the phone. And he didn't know it was me either. So there was this whole, like, kind of protective thing because he's an FBI agent. And it was amazing to actually sit down and talk to him about the actual case. And when he asked me how am I holding up, like, it was amazing because at the time he was still thoughtful of what he remembered at the time and what he had to deal with and what he had to uh, uh, put out there and how he handled the case. It was a, it was really a blessing for him to kind of be like, so how are you doing now? You know what I mean? And so that was that was pretty dope. Just that humanistic touch of yeah. care, ba- basic consideration. Right. You're not a file. You're a person right. with emotions who went through right. this. Right, right, and that and that was dope because uh, he remembered our case, and this was years. This happened eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, and I didn't speak to him about two thousand. 12 somewhere around there and so for him to still remember all of that was kind of uh, kind of touching so 
You know, that's someone I've never, I haven't spoken to yet. Let me keep that growth mindset. But it's one of those people where I'd love to get to know more about these FBI agents. Because you see it on like Netflix documentaries or or you see it on TV shows where they get consumed by the case. And that is their life until it's complete. And you know what? What was funny about, I remember his, the reason he was so heavy about the case, it became personal for him because he lost his three-year-old daughter in a car crash uh, just before our incident had happened. So he was very, very, very much on the case. Of course, my baby brother, who was three at the time, in the situation. And that made him go super hard art uh with the case Uh, so he put himself into it and i remember his words he's like we're going to find this guy we're going to get it and we're going to have it we're going to get it done and he did and um that he really made the situation feel uh very 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 personal and that to me was dope you know even though you don't totally understand it as a kid but as you get older you're like okay wow i see what these guys have to deal with and i can imagine and the trauma that they experience that they see seeing all of these crazy cases. So uh, shout out to uh, FBI agents, man, out there doing their thing. So. Dude, the trauma you just brought up is real. So if you're someone who lost a person in your life that is similar to the case that you are investigating, just the basic mm-hmm. age, can you right. imagine being triggered every single time you got to align documents, call, yes. talk, look at pictures, like, how are you not gonna, how are you able to stay focused on solving a case and putting uh, uh, putting a case together, putting essays together, staying that focused to pull in all these details while dealing with your own grief and suffering? Like, God, that's... You know, I'm, I'm not an FBI agent, although I've always wanted to be <laughs> in forensics and stuff like that because I'm very meticulous. I'll say this. I know for me, what you almost have to do is is find a joy somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it be I'm going to figure this case out. So, so, for example, me growing up without a mom, I love seeing kids with their mom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you kind of you kind of got to find a happy medium, a happy spot with all of that you're dealing with. And I'm sure. I wouldn't say no for sure, but I would say if you're going to focus on something, you have to focus somewhere in there on a positive in there. Yeah. Oh, we found a stock. Okay, that gives us hope. One step closer. And, One step closer. Right. And then step you get close. that fulfillment Absolutely. versus that grief. Right. right. Because if you just focus on the fact that it happened, you haven't solved it yet, There's that'll always be there. But the fact that, oh, okay, we found a bloody sock or we found a bloody shoe imprint. Well, we don't have DNA today, but five years down the road, oh, we got DNA samples, and that just yeah. kind of gives you a hope. So, yeah, I could, I could see that almost like deflecting in a good way your emotional yeah. state of grief to I can channel this and I can actually solve something. And I, I would almost wonder, and it's just pure speculation, but I'm putting myself like in the case or in in the situation, and I'm like, you would almost like not 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 replace, not fulfill, but that grief, that emotion can either go mm-hmm. down or up. And the yes. fact that you have a goal and the fact that you can see progress towards a goal, 
I would imagine would be so healing to someone who is grieving in a similar situation. I, I would say agree because the ups and the downs are going to be there. Cause you're like to this day, man, I still think, what if I had my little brother here? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, you know, you know how determined you can get when you're, if you're, if you're the supportive type, you know what I mean? You get yeah. some of your greatest joys out of supporting people and seeing them make it yes. or help through. And that motivates you a little more. So I can imagine that being true. I can imagine that being legit when you take that, that negativity and try to put it into something positive and say, you know what, man, if I could only get so-and-so to this point, yeah. that's like, hey, like we, we, we accomplished something. You know what I mean? So I'm sure that helps along the way. Wow. Dude, I did not. Um, so just going through the Instagram and I honestly forget how I came across your Instagram profile. You had to comment on something because that's usually how I find people. That's kind of the thing right. I do. I just right. look through comments and I'm like, hey, do you want to come on a podcast? Um, I, I, I don't even remember myself, bro. I just remember getting a, uh, 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 I think, a, a direct message from you. And, um, and then, of course, I looked at your uh, your information and then I was like, sure, you know, and we're in the podcast era, you know? Yeah, right. And <laughs> that was and that was the <laughs> thing, right? So then I look and I'm like, oh, cool. He has like, a, it seems like a, like a sports podcast kind of a thing. And then it's like, what is all this wine about? And what's the CEO <laughs> stuff, right? And it looked like real business oriented. And right. we've been going up for an hour, dude. I had no idea that like this was your backstory of getting to where yes. you currently are, man. Wow. That, and that's always the part, man, that I enjoy the most. Uh, kind of that reading a book by its cover type of concept, I, you know, that type of thing. And I love putting the idea out there. I mean, I, I will say I stopped for quite some time actually talking about my story. But as I get older and as I uh, start to uh, become more and more and more business-minded, entrepreneur-minded, uh, being asked to be on shows, being asked to uh, speak and things of that nature, people will always... they they ask me those questions and because this is my experience I generally always lead into that because it always comes up and it's like and then that's when I can be like well you know what I run my own business <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. and and what a great I have my own podcast come check me out come do this come do that so it's kind of a lead in now so to speak and so it helps it helps no doubt. Well, dude, I'm, I'm super curious about businesses and just for my, why I'm always in awe of businesses. I grew up as a restaurant worker and I thought that's what I was going to be. My first job working in a restaurant. So. Dude, yeah. I mean like, dude, you grow up in a restaurant and you talk about solving problems, multitasking, interpersonal relationships, responsibility, timely responses, reading body language. Like it, it just goes on and on preparation. If you're not prepared for the rush, you are fucked. Like it, it, you can really take so much of the skills if you are like, if you care about it and you can right. transfer it. So I you can tell you can tell the people who work well under pressure yeah. when you're in rush 
and how to like spin a story, how to buy five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like how to anticipate who's going to be grouchy, how to make a quick decision about who do I cater to, who can be ignored, who can I like give a wink and a nod to, who should I just slip an extra drink and say it's on the house because it'll pay off. Right. Like all all these things, you don't even, it's like Miyagi with Karate Kid. You don't even realize you're learning and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can, I can do a lot. So all that to say, I started off with that business mindset of working in restaurants. Oh, dude, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a run a restaurant, right? Like that was my goal. Um, then I started looking at numbers and realizing like I'd have to fire people. And I got real uncomfortable with that aspect. Something about it freaked me out choosing numbers over people. You, you sound just like me because that's one of the things that bothered me having to let someone go and knowing they couldn't feed their family yeah. and those type of I things. Couldn't ima- it- I literally think of the lady and she, she's passed away, but she passed away because she had addiction issues and she'd come to work at six in the morning and the reason she liked to open is because she had access to the bar and she'd get to the right. bar and she'd start hiding alcohol everywhere throughout the restaurant. And you're like, right. why are the liquor calls shot? And like you see it and I'm really right. going to fire you the week of Christmas, knowing that you have a daughter and knowing that right. you're day to day, like you need tips to pay your electric bill. You don't have a right. savings. That dude, it wigged me out and I got into coaching and teaching. And I'm like, that's right. a safe spot. Now I can help people. I got income. So all that to say, I'm always in awe of individuals who can actually have a business because right. it's so risky and it's so much effort, energy, and it's, it, it's a life. And that, that honestly was what I thought we would spend the most time on. Cause I'm always curious if people, when they have their own business, how that business got developed, what is their business plan, any advice that they can give to people, stuff like that. Um, so that was a really long setup to just get into a little <laughs> bit about your business, which I'm assuming is wine. Like, do you grow grapes? What is your business? Yes. Uh, so currently, um, I'm in the process of creating my own brand. My name, Benji Banks. Um, into branding my own name. I've worked, I'm a workaholic, man. I've worked since I was uh, 19, 20 years old and saw those people working, uncle, aunt, you know, that type of thing, and just thought working life was the thing. But then as I got older, I realized, man, you know what? COVID made me realize your job can be gone tomorrow. Mm. And I didn't have necessarily a plan per se. I was just a work, work, work kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so out of the blue, man, I kid you not, the concepts started to come. It's like they were godsends. Um, I started developing my own shirt line, uh, starting developing all of these types of things. And my, my mind shifted to being my own boss. And the reason it became that was because um, imagine you being in a department and you knocked the department out. But every time you go for a raise, like you got to fight for a dollar or two dollar raise. Yeah, even and, though you're bringing a hundred dollars worth of efficiency to the company, right. you got to fight to get a right. dollar or two of that back. Right, and you're in this department, and when I took over my department, I literally took over the department and was like, "Oh, I I can do all of that by myself." And that's the concept. You think I can get it? Oh, they're going to value me. You know what I mean? No, no problem. I'm doing I'm doing what four other people should be doing. Like, and I'm knocking it out, doing it. Right? Can I, just for context, and you don't have to like name names or anything, but I'm just curious what the business was or what the department 
focus was? It's uh, called Paramount Residential Mortgage Group. It's a mortgage company um, and, and property management. Dope company would, would never speak ill of them, but got to a place to where I was like, man, you know what? Um, being my own boss kind of became the thing because, like I said, COVID came. And you could literally be let go instantly. You know, one fail, one mishap, and you're pretty much done. You know what I mean? And so um, the entrepreneur idea and mindset started to come. So instead of me searching for uh, uh, toys, a new gun, a new this, a new that, <laughs> I was like, let's out business. There's this business. And so the idea stuck with me because I follow a few guys on Instagram who were uh, big into stocks and things of that nature. So I dabbled in that a little bit. And you kind of glean from them as well. I'm that gleaner. Like if I if something's attractive to me and I look at it, I'm going to check it out and see what's going on. And online business became like a huge thing during the pandemic. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I, I'd love to get into that. I'm into sales. I, I, I'm a sales guy to the T, you know? So kind of looking for businesses the way I would look for anything else. So instead of taking my energy and putting it into looking for the, the closest event or this or that, I started searching out ways to find a business, how to run a business, how to do this, how to do that. Can I just pause you there, not to interrupt you, but to emphasize the mindset that you just displayed of we have limited energy and the awareness to now, hey man, why am I scrolling through whatever? Like if if you picture Facebook and you just scroll in all of a sudden it's 15 minutes and you're like, what did... What did I get from, did I need a mental break? Right. Maybe I should have just took a nap. Maybe I should have meditated right. or stretched, right? right? But and to you channel. You're on Facebook for six, seven hours just scrolling and you're wasting time and you're not making any money. It's a shift, that. right? Like, dude, you look at that right. after a week and you're like, yo, I just gave Facebook eight hours of my life and my yes. payoff was what? So it's it's awesome that you came to that awareness. I, I just, I, I wanted to point that out because I think that, I'm hoping more people are becoming thoughtful of that, seeking people out that's more content specific on social media instead right. of just, I don't know, like there's a place for entertainment, but I don't know if it should just be right. endless entertainment. <laughs> right. No, I, I I think, yeah, life should have some entertainment in it, but I became big on uh, the, my time matters. Yeah, you value know? your time. Right. You know what I mean? Dude. My time matters now. So I know I'm going to be on Facebook. I know I'm going to be on IG. I know I'm going to be on these platforms. So I started to think, you know what, man, like, what if I did this? And then you start searching out for things. You start taking advice from people. And then wherever you put your energy, that's what's going to produce. So then I'm like, oh, okay. You mean tell me I can have my own wine products and I can have my own shirts and I can have my own track suits and I can have my own this and then I can stretch it out to an international brand? Things that you thought maybe you couldn't get, now as you search for them, they become easier to attain and to find. And so that was my thing. So I got in that mindset where it's like, okay, let me find a business. Where can I make some money at? You know what I mean? What can I, you know? And now I can take all of that, put it into a brand, and put it on Facebook, 
put it on IG, and then start to learn the ropes. And then you realize you've been working for a corporate company all your life. You've been running a business for forever, if you really think about it. <laughs> you've been running, you've been running someone else's business for a long time. If you take that same energy and put it into uh, your own. Uh, um, and educate yourself a little bit on these things, then you can do the same. It's not it's not rocket science. It's just you got to have some dedication and some devotion to it. And that's where that's kind of as I matured, that idea came. So, have you burned the ships yet? Are you familiar with that saying? Like, if a I, I, whatever, it's probably some sort of like army guy at some point. <laughs> like they land on the foreign shores. And then the commander burns his ships and it's like, yo, we're either going to take over this country or we're going to die. <laughs> and I feel like that's always the metaphor for businesses where you're like halfway in between and have you burned your ships to the fact that you're all in or are you still having like some other job? That's I was, I was fortunate enough to be working and still figuring the business model out. Because okay. although you get the business – you are you you want to put it out in a certain way you know what i mean you want to represent a certain way so i didn't know how to do ads per se when i first started mm. you know you know normally you just send them to the uh marketing department and then hey i need an ad for you know how to direct people and show them what you want but then you're taking that to the ceo so the ceo can confirm i like that and then boom you're cool you're just you're the middleman so you're getting the advice, you're getting all of that. But then within a year, yes, I literally got burnt out on it because you realize it's more than just sales behind it. You can sell, 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 but overall, like, bro, you need some catchy ads. You need some photo shoot. You need some this. You need some that. You need to, how, well, how do I generate leads? Then you realize, oh, I got to put $500 or $1,000 a month into marketing and ads or whatever it may be to represent how you want your company to be represented. Mm -hmm. And those you're so used to someone else doing yeah. because their money that you, oh, I, I can easily take the CEO's money and put a couple thousand dollars on an ad or get a sponsor to do it for us, you know, because yeah. they're a big company. People want, you know, that. So you see these things, but you haven't actually implemented them yourself. And so when you get to that phase a year in and you're like, man, I ain't feeling this. <laughs> it's like, Dude, it it's gets like, real when it's your budget. You know, like right. that, that's the burn your ship part where it's like, yeah. man, you've really got to appreciate these entrepreneurs that literally could go broke if it doesn't work right. out. Like it, it, man, that's the, I don't know that. God, I it. it it's very eye-opening in the yeah. process, but it was valuable for me. And I learned, but then you start to learn about business credit. So then you start sitting there like, I've been funding this myself, when if I get with the banks, get some business credit, get some net 30 accounts, oh my, oh, you mean to tell me the bank will fund this for me? And you're like, oh, I didn't know that. And so then you start working on other things. So now this is where you got to learn a new phase. So the entrepreneur, I remember uh, Felicia Rashad saying something, and it, stuck, it sticks with me to this day, uh, that uh, you, if you stop learning, that means you stop living. Yeah. You've given, you've given life 
the assumption and the okay that you want to stop living. So with this entrepreneur phase, this business phase, you will always be learning something and that gives you life because now I can implement that into my business. And when you do that, like when I first started doing ads, I'm, I look back at some of my ads now and I'm like, man, those were crappy. When people were <laughs> buying because I had a product and I look at where the ads were a year and a half ago compared to what the ads look like now. And I smile because I'm like, oh, wow, we've upgraded uh, our ads. Mm. We've put some money behind our ads. We've, we've, we've started. And even with my cooking, like all of these phases, you start being a little bit more meticulous because now it's fully your baby and it'll only grow what you put into it. You can't feed it junk all the time. You got to give it some, some breast milk, man. You got to give it some breast milk. So, <laughs> um, What do you mean you're cooking? Do you have some sort of cooking thing too? Yes, sir. I'm a, man, I am a, the ultimate Swiss army knife, Stop. man. My mom gave me her touch and I love cooking. Um, my therapy is in the kitchen. So if you ever see me not happy, excited and not cooking, you know, something's wrong with me. You know <laughs> what I mean? Cause that's where my therapy is. I love the fact that you can get in the kitchen, get your seasonings together be meticulous. You don't have to rush anything. You can literally sit it there, take your time, put it together, work on the flavors, come up with concepts, come up with ideas, keeps your mind going. And then you can take it presentation wise and put it in front of someone and say, Hey, try this out, taste this and tell me what you think. And when they say, yo, like that was fire. Like that was amazing. So what I do is, is I do brunches and I host, uh, um, like I'll host an event, uh, whether it be for a corporate event or whatever. I, my chicken and waffles are famous, man. People love them. Oh, I have really? my own recipe that I put together that nobody else does. And I put it together and I host these events sometimes. Sometimes I'll invite people over to my house, cook for them like two or three four at a time and just host a little event and because i got the wine i can make the mimosas i can do all of these different things oh, and it just synergy brand. yes sir <laughs> it just adds to the brand of benji banks you know what i mean you get this experience with me that uh uh that i hope you know was was dope enough for people to be like yo i'm posting that on my social media i'm checking that out you know what I mean? So that's kind of where that comes mm, from. That's so grassroots, man. Yes. I, I love it, man. And it, it all stems from wanting to uh, uh, be your own boss and uh, be in control of your own destiny. Because uh, ultimately, in the end, if you don't, man, so people will dictate to you and they'll tell you you're worth a dollar when, truth be told, you're worth a million dollars. But yeah. that's a whole nother. No, dude, it's it's so trippy because I was talking to this kid today. I wound up seeing him in the hall. He got kicked out of class and I'm just talking to him for like literally a half hour. And he shares 58 different philosophies. This 15-year-old kid, eighth grader, right. that's like, like, it's amazing his perspective, right? And one of the things he had not thought of when he, in his business mindset, it's nothing but cost of product, then how do I increase my profit for product? He never considered his time. And I said, well, man, when you're going to market, 
you may think you may think all right i bought he, and he was like talking about hamburgers and like flipping hamburgers that like some crackheads were going to sell him so basically his <laughs> business model is Cody's like, coach, you don't believe it, man. These crackheads go in there and they be snatching stuff. And these fools don't even realize they be selling it for like 20% of what it's worth. And they bringing it to you. So like, why wouldn't they pay market value? Because now I don't got to go to the store. So I'm already saving money because I'm saving time. But like, they sell it for like point or 0 0.2. He loves saying 0 0.2. He's like, they sell it for 0 0.2. They take $50 worth of meat. They give it to you for 10 bucks. And I'm like, yo, so if I go get my own bread and I'll make my own burgers and I can make X amount of burgers out of this stuff, I can put it up and like, I'll put $5 a burger, bam, $100 in my pocket. And I'm like, well, right. that's, that's good, man. But like, what about you prepping the burgers and cooking? And he yeah. was like, what? And I'm like, well, that won't that take part of your time? It was like, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm like, well, are you going to incorporate that into your price? And he was like, what? Yeah. And I said, dude, how much is you your time your worth? And your time. Yeah. And it was funny because you like he's such a fast talker that when he stops, you know, you actually like hit him with something he hadn't considered. And it's pretty rare, you know? Right. And he was like, yeah, I got to figure that out. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good, ah, I see what you're saying, right? Like I only value myself at like $5 an hour. Cause my uncle be trying to pay me like 12 to cut grass. <laughs> and I already think that's way too low. And I'm like, dude, you're making like three fifty. I only get 50 and we on a six hour ship. And you just like, he rambles. And I'm like, yes, dude, like you need to recognize and set what is my time worth and incorporate right. that into part of your business model, man, because you're more then whatever ten dollars an hour, aren't you? The way you're thinking, right. and if you if you're not careful, you'll just get you'll settle. Yeah. If you're not, well, you'll settle because in a lot of cases, and sometimes you sometimes you have to because you're getting started. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. oh, that's very true, man. Like you, you have to uh, get in the mindset or the the idea that you know what my time cost this. How about this? How about that? And you have to go through the whole phase. And this is where you need smart people around you who, who are going to actually tell you, yo, bro, like if you did that at $20 an hour, you're not going to make any money mm. because you're going to pay for the shirt. The shirt's going to cost you $13. You're going to pay for shipping. You're already at $20. You're going to be in the negative off of every shirt you sell. So, and this is where you, you have to have those people around you telling you, you know what? Hey, you know what? Add a little bit more to that because you at least want to make money off of this. So my concept came because I wanted to make a certain amount of money off of every brunch, off of everything. So I was like, this is either $100 an hour or we can't do it. Can I pause to emphasize something you said there that is some of the best advice I got when I started with stocks? where yes. it seemed like you had a number in mind that you were able to determine whether it's successful or not. You had a metric to measure your success. Right. I want to make blank amount of money. Right. You can't, I, I feel like you can't go into situations like, well, I, I want to be rich. I want money. Right. Because <laughs> what is that, right? Like, but that's where the failure happens. It's different. Coming from where we come from, Shoot, just making a hundred thousand dollars, just making fifty thousand dollars was we were thought we were well off. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then me being the shopper, you know what I mean? Like I know what everything costs and how much I'm going to get out of a box. 
when I do my waffles. So I know how much I'm going to get out of everything when I go to the store and buy. So that's kind of, we're going to do this for five hours and it costs, it's going to cost you $500 off the top. And this is how many we can feed in this entire time. And then you end up, you know your profit off the top and you're like, okay, cool. So if we have food left over, no problem. Take it. You guys can have it. We're good. We're straight. Or we'll use it for the next event if we got some things sitting there. You know what I mean? So the numbers behind it matter also. So that that's a big thing. And most people just think of the money when they go into it. Yeah. That's why my concept, I'm no longer trying to uh, be the guy who is responsible for paying everything. I want to be able to go to my bank and say, hey, you know what? We're hosting an event or I already have the business credit and I can already get the business loans. And this is what we're looking for for this event. Will you fund it? And most likely, if your credit is good, conversation we had earlier, of yeah. course, the bank is going to fund it. And then you pay off your bank instantly after the event is over and you build this rapport and you make your money off the top. So it, it makes it 10 times easier. So it, it's a numbers game, but. Every one of us don't know that game, so. Yeah, it, well, talking to this kid, man, today, I just realized, and it, it's a shame, because he's a dude that does not want to be in class. And I'm like, <laughs> man, if you would have just picked math class to want to be in, you'd be right. 10 years ahead of yourself, man. Like, I see the potential, the hustle, the grind, the, the risk-taking, right? Like, the vision. That, that's right. 80% of it, man. All you need is the functionality and yes. you're going to roll. And it's right. such a shame that you're like, dude, you're letting your behavior dictate or limit your functionality and your implementation right. of this vision, man. It's a shame. But sometimes it takes dudes a couple years to realize, all right, man, let me take a class or two, right? Let, let, me, let me get around an environment where people discuss these things and I can throw some ideas out there and I respect the feedback I'm getting back. Right. It, it takes some maturity. Yeah. I, I, I mean, me personally, man, I'm big on giving kids uh, time. You know what I mean? Like I've become, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more patient uh, because I realized I wasn't always at this point and even at this mindset. I'm 43 and some things I'm learning now, I almost feel shame sometimes that I'm just now... <laughs> Uh, uh, a few years ago, learning about business credit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you mean to tell me we've been fighting for it? Like, you mean to tell me the bank got it? Yes, they do. If you, you know, <laughs> if you pay your bills and you do this and you do that, like, it's it's a system. And um, so I, I value that more. So to be able to take what I know now and deposit it into, you know, a kid, my son or whatever it may be, that to me is life giving, man. So, uh, and you being a teacher, I'm sure you got some, you get some frustrating, frustrating moments, but I'm sure there's some joyous moments. As yeah, well. dude. Yeah, the joyous moments are never immediate, which is the hardest part right. of teaching, because you just pour yourself in and you hope, right. and then whatever, like five years later, eight years later, you see somebody and you're just like, they come to you with a story like. Dude, I appreciate the fact that you were just positive with me. I was a knucklehead and immature right. like crazy. And all you kept doing was telling me how good I was. And you're like, I, I didn't even realize that, that that meant something to me. But it gave right. me confidence that I honestly didn't have. And you're like, 
dude, I needed that because these kids today are wearing me out. Like, thank God you just refurbished. <laughs> hey, man, they're smarter than well. my days, but they're way more stubborn, bro, because they think they know it all. <laughs> exactly. You know what yes. I mean? So it, it's a totally different ball. I literally sit with my son who's 13 years old, man, and this kid is like a tech head. And this kid would literally sit there and talk my head off about tech stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. But the fact that you can sit and articulate it and put it out yeah. there at 13 years old is amazing. And yeah. this kid is smart, man. He's like the president's award, two years award uh, in a row at his school. So his motor skills are off the charts. You know what I mean? Smart. And that's dope to me. And so it's like, but man, you try to tell him something. Yeah. They are not wrong for anything. Dude, they got <laughs> arguments on arguments. And that's that's the biggest thing I've realized interacting with that same age group is you can't just tell them, like, stop talking. Because right. they're, they're immediately like, well, you always speak about how we're supposed to collaborate with our peers in order for scaffolding to enhance our learning. So when is the proper opportunity to talk? And you're like, right. God, what do I answer <laughs> to that? Like, now I like like but they're so good at the counter argument yes and man it's it's a skill and you have to be real crafty with how you engage to get the outcome as an adult that you want yeah. which is like maybe you need to just shut up and listen but if you say True. that all of a sudden it's an issue and you've turned them off and you get no listen out of them you know right yeah, some of these kids, man, they just want to be listened to because yeah. they have, believe it or not, they have a million ideas in their head as well yeah. that they're trying out and articulate, and it's probably keeping them up at night. And it's, you know, can you imagine being uh, the kid who created Facebook, man, and, and like coming up with this concept and trying to figure it out and trying to do this? Yeah, like how long did you dwell on that? Like, was he inspired at like 14 and that just sat yeah. in his head for six years and he gets to college yeah, and he's like, like I, there it there. is. The idea is there and you're flipping out and you don't know if it's going to work and you don't know and you don't. And then you take it to somebody and they steal your concept, they steal your idea. So there's all of these things out there, you know what I mean? And so yeah. I can imagine that because sometimes, man, the thoughts about business and ideas and and creating, creating and content and things that go through my head are like, yo, like, oh, I, I thought of that idea. Let me put it out there. Let me let me work on it and let me do this and let me do that. And then you put it out there and then sometimes you may not get the response you think you should, yeah. but then sometimes and so there's that all of that rolled up in one ball that you have to think about but overall man if it's your if it's your dream the only person that's going to nurture it is you and you're fortunate if you get uh someone along the way who's very nurturing as you to to push that dream out there so was wine a dream of yours i'm curious about the connection to wine <laughs> well wine became the thing I'll, I'll put it like this uh being in california one of the things that uh, our company would do all the time is go to the wineries. That was like our retreat days off. So whenever we had like events or anything like that, they were always hosted at the wineries. And so I never was huge into wine, never was opposed to it, but I never thought I'd see myself running my own. I never thought, I never dreamed it. I, it wasn't something that was like stuck in my mind, but every time I would go down there, I would see tons of people down there. I would see them enjoying themselves. 
And then for the most part, they're at the winery because they want to try some different wines or they're at a different winery. And what inspired me to check on it more was that the CEO of our company literally started building his own because he realized, hey, we're hosting all of these events at these locations. Oh, why not make it our own? Why don't I have one? I can fund one. I can do this. I can do that. Why don't I have one? And that triggered it for me. I knew I couldn't do it on his level, but the fact that he thought that and was like, hmm. So he started building his own winery in Temecula. And I'm literally sitting there watching because I work directly with the four owners. So I'm watching them and I'm seeing the plans and I'm seeing this and I'm seeing that. And I'm sitting there thinking like, yo, like this, that's a dope idea. So then I got into it. I was fortunate enough to get into it. And I said, okay, well, what can I do with this? When and you say get into it, get into it like a partnership with them or get into it, you found some land? I wanted to be on my own by myself. Okay. Um, uh, so mine's is totally separate from them. I wanted to figure this out on my own. I'm stubborn in that way. Like I like to figure things out on my own because I like, I'm the touchy feely kind of guy. I'm not afraid of making the mistake. I'm not afraid of uh, messing up. Although I hate messing up. Yeah. I'm not afraid of doing it because I realize this is the cost of learning it on your own. Yeah, that's the cost of success. Got it. I mean, shooters shoot and like every, every successful basketball player, like we tell kids all the time, like, you have to own the miss in order right. to be able to make the make. And exactly. unless you're willing to airball Kobe, like yeah. there, there's tons of examples of due to miss shots, but the fact that yes. they're now thought of as great is their confidence didn't waver because they, they owned it. And take the shot. And yeah. that to me, it, that's, that's my approach in life because uh, psychology teaches us that people are more intrigued by what you say when you're not only excited about it, but you, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that excites people that you're talking to even more when they're like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. This is why we go to uh, uh, see uh, uh, speakers speak because we, in, you know, if they're successful, we believe they know what they're talking about. Yeah, and if they get authenticity to they're it. able to articulate and put it together, it just wows us a little bit more. So... I, I saw that and I thought, you know what? I can do this. I can do photo shoots with this. I can host events with this. I can do fundraisers with this. So you mean to tell me I can support youth softball, youth leagues, because I'm a 501c3. Um, I can do photo shoots. I can host wine tastings. I can be at events. I can be at a cigar lounge. The, the, the expansion and how my mind works was like, this is almost limitless in its approach. You can cook, which is a love of mine. So if we're sitting down and I'm cooking, boom, you know, like we can have some wine. Oh, we're about to have some good Chardonnay over some fettuccine or whatever, you know, that all became intriguing because those were my elements. I can cook so I can find therapy in this, you know, it's therapeutic for me. I can host a photo shoot and put people together. I like sexy, so you know what I mean? Like, to have a woman who's 
super cool because I got a brand, I got a business. Say, hey, we'll do this dope photo shoot for you, and so on, so so on, so we'll make it sexy. I can uh, uh, nail salons, women at at spas, and things of that nature. Typically, what are they drinking? They're drinking a glass of wine if they're at the spa. So yeah. I can with hair shops. I can connect with nail salons, and the ideas became so limitless that I was like, there's no way I shouldn't get into this. And it just, it it intrigued me so much. And then you start trying the wines and you're like, oh my gosh, this tastes good with this and this and this and this. And it just adds another element to it. Do you, so, and again, excuse me, and don't mean it to be insulting in any way, but I'm super curious, like, do you actually own acres are you like funding is do you buy no. wine like from a vineyard that you then get to market yourself we no whew, i would love <laughs> to have my own vineyard i would love trust me that is one of the goals to have my own but the way way i did it was is i was fortunate enough to uh get with a company that would allow me to take over it. Like I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to run this strictly online, create my own LLC, create my own company, create my own ownership out of the entire brand, and still, because of how dope the company is, still be attached to the company as a whole. So that makes it ten times better for me. The company is based out in Napa Valley. And uh, which is where most any of your wines, if you create, even if you create your own brand of wine, so to speak, it more than likely a Californian is going to come out of Napa Valley. Yeah. So I, even I, I know very little about wine, and Napa Valley would be associated with like the Jordan brand of like yes. wine. Like you put Napa yeah. on it, you're like, oh, that's quality. Yeah. Even if you know nothing, like I have no idea how big Napa yeah. Valley is. You put Napa, yes. I'm like, yeah, that's five ten dollars extra per glass. Yeah. Right. So- <laughs> That's the catch with that. So it's no no different than if you can start your own tequila brand, but you do have to realize it's Mexico owns it outright. Nobody can touch it. Nobody can take the brand, anything. You can start your own tequila brand and get your own liquor license and distribute, but you have to understand they own it. So part of your distribution directly is going to go to them. So you'll never fully own a tequila brand outright because, and this is the funny thing, uh, Temecula out here in California was trying to get a Temecula and they were trying to do it themselves and they got sued (laughs) because of branding. Branding is so major. And the fact that you can control your destiny by branding became very, very, very attractive to me because now no one can dictate to me how, what this is my brain. This is my stuff. Like no one can take it away from me unless I mishandle it uh, and don't treat it right and don't take care of it, you know, things of that nature. But overall, it's yours. It's your brain. And that to me became very, very, very important. And long as you... Uh, uh, take care of your licensing and do all of the proper channels and don't sell the minors and all of that type of stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's your brand. So you got to protect it, but overall it's your brand. So you can literally dictate 
dictate what you want to do with it. Except, you know, you can't sell to minors. Yeah. And you can't be playing in bottles out in the street. And you can't just walk on the street and sell, you know. <laughs> Unless you're doing it bootleg, you know what I mean? There's rules and regulations to it, though. But, gotcha. hey. So how does it work with, like, making a Chardonnay or something like that? Like, does the vineyard have different barrels, different yes. flavors, different grapes, and you, like, go and choose them? Or, like, I'm, I'm, I'm still confused about how it works. very meticulous. Certain wines take, up eight, take a total of about eight months to mature. So... When you're when you're out there, you go, you pick you, your per, one person is in charge of handling a certain brand. So let's say if here's a weird part, I'll show you this real quick. John Elway made a Cabernet with us. Oh no way! Right, right. So John Elway made a Cabernet with us. He also made a Chardonnay with us. So what he does is is they you assign a particular grower. It's like, it's like nursing a baby, so to speak. A nurse, or, or, or I guess the right idea would be like a midwife, where that person <laughs> is responsible for looking after you the entire process. You know when the grapes are mature. You know when the, the amount of cinnamon you're going to put in it. You know all of that, which is sometimes a long, drawn-out process. It can take up to eight months to make a specific bottle of wine because you're dealing with organic ingredients. So you can't just throw anything in there. Um, and let's say a guy like John Elway, he likes his a certain way. So he's only going to put dark berries, a little spice, a little toasted oak, and some uh, bold berries, you know? And he signs it, and that's the way he likes his wine to taste. So that wine has to taste the exact same every time right and if it, and what's what's particular about it is this fact is this idea is that that person knows when it doesn't taste like it's supposed to taste because they're used to the right amount of cinnamon the right amount of berries all of that so it takes a little bit of time um but imagine nurse trying to bring forth a baby like you got to be very meticulous you got to pick the grapes at the right time. You go out there, the grapes aren't gleaning. You can't just go out and grab any grapes. You got to grab the uh, the first uh, uh, set, the first ripe fruits. Um, because if you take any other and you mix them in, you're going to mess up the quality. I like to say it's poet poetry in a bottle because of the fact that poetry is, in, in its essence, it's it's delicate. Um, it has to be expressed a certain way. It has to be put out in a certain way. And that's the way I like to look at it. And that's how you have to handle every bottle of wine. And believe it or not, you said that I'm drinking Chardonnay tonight. So, <laughs> <laughs> And those are green grapes, by the way, and baked apples and pineapples and stuff like that. So, so Man, this is so interesting to me. So right. do you like pre... Do you order like by the barrel? Do you say, hey, man, I want to have... 78 cases at 12 bottles a case and like almost like sublet an area of a vineyard in order to produce your amount of wine or is well, that a stupid we, question I, like we, i don't even know how to ask when we when we when our company first started we literally didn't have our own vineyard 
so to speak. Um, we had to build our we had to build our own. So it took a little time, but can can imagine going into a warehouse where everything is manufactured, all your uh, barrels are stored, everything is stored right there. And you remember with wine, as it sits, it ages, it gets stronger, and it gets better once it's bottled. So it takes a little time. So imagine walking into a warehouse and the whole 500 barrels are full of just Chardonnay um, or Cabernet or whatever, or Pinot Noir or whatever it may be. They're all in one central location. They've all been pressed. The grapes have been smashed, pressed, all of that. All your flavors have been mixed, and you put them in these aged barrels that hold your wine together, and they have to be sealed tight. This is why wine comes most times with the corks, because no air can get into those. They have to be sealed. Once you open it and you leave it out, and this is where also you need use some bottle toppers, things of that nature, so that nothing seeps in, that air doesn't seep in and air doesn't get out because it will lose its uh, uh, taste and everything, just like if it was soda that lost carbonation or something like that. Right. You have to keep it tight-knit. And so if I were to open this one, I would have to make sure that I kept a bottle topper on top of this to lock in its flavor. Or if you're like me, you just make sure you finish it that night. <laughs> in most cases, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You, you got to finish the whole bottle. That's I mean, you if you're popping it, you're dropping it. It's over. <laughs> and I'd love to uh, send me your address and information. I believe we are, we're in 46 states. Dude, uh, Delaware, so I, that, that was something I was going to tell you, man. I was kind of pissed when I knew you were coming on. I was going to order. Delaware, it's illegal to ship alcohol yes. to Delaware. It, it is. Yeah, man. I, there, there's basically like two families, from what I understand. Um, there's two families that are really strong alcohol lobbyists, and yeah. they have put the clamps on you ordering cases of wine from out of state. You yeah. have to buy from a store. So I'd have to get a PO box in Virginia to have you ship well, to. <laughs> here's the beautiful part is I've branched off now to where I have an international brand, a French brand line of wine that I'm able, you guys, Delaware, I believe, are on the list. At least I know Alabama is on the list, which wasn't on our list before. So some of the Bible okay. Belt uh, doesn't allow it. But um, 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 if I can, I will make something happen with you and get you some uh, product out there so you can just try it on your own. Dude, that'd be and so then, dope. I, like, honestly... All Benji, I was like hoping and I, I went to the website, I'm hoping. And then like, it was like, yep, Delaware, not allowed. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I know we got certain states will not allow it. They just won't do it. Yeah. Uh, depending on the brand. Um, but, um, the, it, it's funny because they allow you to buy liquor. And I thought maybe even during the pandemic, some of these uh, states were, there's only six states really, uh, on, on the list yeah, that so don't out uh, online wine sales. Delaware's, dude, Delaware maybe 15 years ago finally changed the law where you could buy alcohol on Sundays. Liquor stores used to be right. closed on Sundays in Delaware. Like it was a blue right. law state, I believe. And right. yeah, they, I we don't know. Just got, we just got through to Alabama. So Alabama, um, 
uh, uh, loosen their laws so we're able to uh, uh, distribute in Alabama. But it, it's, you know, people have their, their reasons. Some of these places, they don't. <laughs> but like, look, listen, we're, we're in the online era. It's Open so it up. weird, right? Uh, Dude, it's... It, it's and th this is a complete side note, but from what I've read and just speaking with people, Delaware in the midst of trying to legalize marijuana, one of the <laughs> bigger proponents of um, keeping it illegal as far as for um, sales is the right. liquor industry because the liquor industry is lobbying that they yeah. should be the sole distributors and have the licenses in order right. to regulate. And everybody's right. like, nah, dude. Like we like, should be to the point where we can have bodegas and we can have farmers yeah. that just want to grow their own, whatever sativa right. and send it. And that's their own unique brand. And why are we limiting small business opportunities? And it's a, well, it's kind of a hot know, button yeah, debate yeah. here. And some people just, they got that control. They don't want to let it go yeah. uh, and open up. You know how much money that would bring into the state alone, cities and states. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't see why not, but they're worried about crime and things of that nature. And people are dying every day driving to work. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that, that's one of the weirdest act. Like, um, and this is a total tangent, but like when they blame, they blame like DWIs driving while intoxicated on pot. And that's one of the reasons we can't legalize it. But at the same time, you just pass legislation that allows to go drinks from restaurants now. Yes. So like we've gotten and to the point was, where I can order a cocktail if I sit at a bar to go right? because I'm going to yeah, take it, it home and drink it. it. Like I'm not going to sip while I'm driving and we've okayed that, but we can't allow individuals to grow, market, distribute their own marijuana. Seems so it, weird, it, man. It just, they just did that out here in California. The pandemic, the pandemic made them come up off of it. The yeah. restaurants were uh, do that. And I, to me, I thought it was smart because oh, for sure. And you, you know, you, you try to, you know, you know, micromanage a little bit. But overall, man, people are going to find a way to do it. They were doing the same thing with cigarettes, and kids were still buying getting cigarettes from the old heads out. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, so, dude. You used to make money on that stuff, man. If you like knew a couple yeah, teenagers, so, you buy a pack, yeah, and you yeah. get like three packs, knowing that you're going to sell one for like get the money for the other two. <laughs> Yeah, or you sell singles. I mean, come on, Dude, man. selling singles. Is, we're, we're entrepreneurs, man. We're I, American. Dude, we're I made so free. much money in eighth grade selling singles to kids who wanted to look cool smoking. It was like you could almost get a dollar a cigarette. And you could, like, yeah. back in the day, buy a whole carton because dudes yeah, were just sir. like, you can get me singles? And it was like, yeah, man, how many you want? Right? <laughs> See, we came up in the era where, you know, the blunts and stuff like that. I had a cousin, man. He was like, y'all don't need to buy blunts from nobody else. I <laughs> buy the box. Y'all buy the singles from me. And it was just the dopest concept ever. It's like, Dude, it's yes. kind of man. So, hey, I, I, I was for it. So we bought our blunts from him. He would get them by the case and sell them Dude. to us and make his money back. So. That is so true, man. Like the guy who had the case of, so you're like, whoa, wait, wait, you got a case of blunts? And it was yeah. like, yeah, man, it's like cigars. You're like, wait, cigars come in cases? Yeah. <laughs> 
the Swishers used to come in that little box, man. If you got the Phillies back then, you know what I mean? He'd get them, he'd buy them, and he'd have them a little account, and he'd get them, and he'd sell them to us, bro. He'd sell them a little bit, like a Dude. 50 cent more than what we would pay at the store. Yeah. But it was cool, because there you go, time. We didn't have to walk way over there to yeah. get it, so we get it directly from him. And yeah, so dude. he understood that at an early age. So Man, it's funny. It literally starts with candy. And you can tell early on, like the kid who brings in the extra candy to sell in like fourth grade, third grade, fifth grade. Yeah. And you know they're going to be the dude that just has stuff. They understand yeah. market already. And they're <laughs> ready to roll. They're going to be fine in life. I did that to my son. He, would, I would, um, he started selling uh, candy on the uh, school grounds and the school actually allowed him to do it <laughs> and uh, so I would invest in his business I would invest a hundred dollars worth of snacks man it was the funniest thing one day man I told him I said hey I'm going to invest in your business but I want five dollars off of every hundred dollars you make you know what I mean just okay. whatever and so he made his money man and it was the funniest thing I took him to the movies one day and uh, where we're at the line and we're getting ready to pay. And he's like, Dad, I just want to show you something. I was like, what? What's going on? He hands me a 20. And he's like, Dad, I made $400. And he's like, giving you your 20 back. Here, here's a 20, the money I, I, I owe you. So, and, and I literally posted that and everyone went bananas. Man, off that. Dude, I'd be in tears. Like, I, that, like that would be a watershed moment for me. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Like it. That, that's it. That's it. Definitely a proud moment, man. Because it's like, all right, I'm teaching this kid some stuff, right? And then he calls me like not too long ago. I was like, Dad, I want to invest in the Nike stock. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I got, I, I got a winner here who understands it all. So, dude, I, I'll tell you, with Robin Hood and I like Robin Hood caught a bunch of flack, which I didn't understand, and I, I associated it with similar to people who want their college loans forgiven. And I, right. I don't know if it's a hot take or whatever, but I have very little sympathy for people who are looking to get their college loans forgiven because I don't feel that's forced upon you. There are plenty right. other right. options to get education through community colleges, through National Guard, through scholarship opportunities. Like nobody's telling you, you got to go to Northwestern to get a journalism degree yeah. and pay right. 120 grand to get a job that's going to make you 30K a year starting off. Like that to me is like, How'd you get that's into the how'd you get into the college if you're that foolish? <laughs> so I I look at I look at stocks as they're so easy to purchase now through Robinhood. And some kids will like take out loans, I guess. And then there was one individual, I think about a year and a half ago, committed suicide because their portfolio they had borrowed and I'll make up the numbers, like borrowed 10 grand and all of a sudden it turned into them owing 250 grand somehow. And right. he wound up killing himself and that's terrible. But I don't know, like, does that mean that that's Robin Hood's fault? And they almost got no. criminalized in some sense. And it's like, where's the personal responsibility, especially at 18, 19 of, you shouldn't make that sort of decision on a whim. Like right. you need to be thoughtful well, about these things. Everyone has nowadays. We have the the uh, uh, what do you call it? Let me think of the uh, instant gratification. Yeah, just and, hoping. And that, and that is putting a lot of pressure on people. To people are scared of the slow grind and the process so much that they want it so fast. Yeah. Um, 
And to me, it just speaks of how we're pushing people to be instant famous and running everything. I, I'm 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 glad I've had a slow process because in my slow process, I've learned to slow down and let the thing grow. And I'm and and that to me is a skill. To me, that is just something you you either have it or you don't. But I'm fortunate, man, to be able to say like I can look at the plant and know what. Okay, this is going to take six months to grow. Credit isn't built overnight. Business credit isn't built overnight. You gotta pay your bills over time and build some rapport. And to me, that kind of goes back to relationships as well. Um, if you have great relationships around around the board, it kind of speaks to the type of person you are. You know what I mean? Like you can function with healthy relationships and you can function with people and things of that nature. So um, I hate to hear stories like that, though, man, of kids wanting, wanting you know, who, who goes and takes out a 10K loan to just invest? You know what I mean? But yeah. hey, sometimes kids are willing to take that risk nowadays. You what made me sadder was I wonder how many parents then took that as like demonizing the opportunity to get into stocks and let your kids lose some money, but responsible losses. Like, dude, I'll give my kid a hundred dollars and be like, invest. And let me see you on your tablet instead of scrolling through almost like what we were saying earlier, instead of you scrolling right. through like Snapchat, like in pictures, here's a hundred bucks, man, go blow it on the stock market. See what happens. And like, to right. me, that's a valuable lesson that as they age, they'll take something from it. And right. you, you don't, you don't want to lose that because again, like your son being like, I want to invest in Nike. I've had right. kids tell me, but like, you know, I bought some Exxon stock. My dad meets me dollar for dollar when I use my birthday money for stocks. And you're like, you're right. 13. Do you understand you're immediately top 5%? in the world. Right. <laughs> like you're, you're going to be great with money. If that's your mentality at 12 and 13. Right. I, listen, I wish at 12, 13 years old, I understood money like that, but I'm going to take it to work. <laughs> I'm going to take it and work with what I got right now and make it happen. So dude, I'm uh, checking, I'm man. checking pay phones. You remember that? Like walking by pay phones, looking to find a quarter. Checking like the newspapers. The, the, I, we, we, I called a few girls off the payphone. <laughs> you call them and then have you call have them call you back collect so that you wouldn't hey, have to pay. You got to spend it on this joint. Call you, <laughs> hey, hey, this is the number. Give me a call back and you wait and you chill and then they call you back. Yeah, I'll be over. Call me back. I'll be over there about 15 minutes. I got to walk, right? <laughs> Dude, it is so... It Sometimes it is funny to think like how much freedom and how much stupidity we had in our youth, you know? Oh, like man. in that era. It was just... It, it was hilarious. Man, I'm... Man, I'm grateful that that somebody was looking over me, man, because I know... I, I know I made... <laughs> I know I made some dumb decisions coming up, man. Yeah. But, uh, man... So grateful to be alive and be here today, man. Because I tell you, man, it's it's a, it's a joy to be a uh, living and, and and living well and, and doing things good. So, yeah, it's it's a perspective where when kids can get lost, you just want to show them what living good, how how fortunate it is, but how nice it is. Like people can 
like you can take comfort for granted. And if you've never had comfort, you don't understand what it's like to lose it. And you really hope that kids who are struggling can get that perspective. Um, Cause once they get it, they're going to kind of fight for it, man. And they're going to figure right. out a way to maintain it. That's very true. So, I mean, sometimes you got to fight for things and sometimes you just have to be grateful, man, for where you're at and where you've come from and things of that nature. So it's, I, I dig it, man. So Benji, um, to respect your time, I um, want to get you out of here on this. Yes. So I have a kind of a stupid gimmick on my podcast okay. that I end the pods with. Okay. And it's abstract. So feel free to take it in any direction you want. Okay. All right. Can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile best first for last trade, sheesh what, the, what does trade, that even trademark mean? trademark before before you get that business mind of yours on it <laughs> <laughs> best first for last shoot man i don't even know but can, can we skip that when they come back no dude <laughs> what do you take it as <laughs> best first for last yeah ah, shoot i'm trying to process that and think uh 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 Best first for last. I don't need, bro. I don't even know. I am drawing an absolute blank, and I don't so, know why. Well, because I don't know. I build it up and I spur it on people, and it's like a little sociology experiment of mine. Um, okay. So here was my thought process behind it. When you're getting okay. to know people, you okay. typically get to know the first time they do stuff. People love okay. telling stories about their first whatever. Right. So instead of best for last, I want to end pods with the best first. So one of your cooler first experiences, that'll be the last thing people listening get to know about you. Okay. So, okay. I'll put it in this way. My best first. I remember I met, um, two amazing people, man. They were, um, uh, I called them, they were my mentors. Of course, I just come from uh, Texas. I come out here in California and I met these two amazing people, man, uh, Ted and Tina Thompson. And the first impression that she gave, uh, Tina gave me was she walked up to me and she said mm-hmm. something that I'll never forget to this day. She said to me, you're going to be some, you're going to be great. And, 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 that didn't resonate at the time because I was in there with everything on stolen. And she <laughs> saw past all of that and didn't know who I was. Uh, I was just up kind of just talking and just kind of being thankful for, you know, that I was, you know, in a setting at, at a particular time. And those two people took me, man, and loved a little kid from Texas, man, that was going through all kinds of stuff. And they treated me like I was their own. And that, to me, was my best first. So to, to run into people who were that dope and to make me believe that, you know, you can actually trust people <laughs> oh, <laughs> to yeah. a degree was amazing. And that that they will always stand. Both of them uh, have gone on uh, uh, to their uh, to to death, and uh, hopefully in heaven somewhere. That's what we believe. But uh, they were the most amazing people, and their family still loves me like 
I'm their own to this day. And so I, I definitely will use that. I got to use that. Dude, I love that. I love yeah. that. Inspirational. Did, yes. Did you ever get a chance to speak to him about why, like, why did they take the time? Again, like, not to be insulting, but like, why are you so special that they take the time? What was the connection that... The only thing I can think of was at the time, and I will honestly say, is that they were just such loving people. I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to put it. But they were just loving people, man. It's like love oozed from them. Everywhere they went, people would always talk about how they treated people, how they took care of people, how they looked out for people. Um, and... I, I, that's what I can attribute it to, but I gravitated so much to them that I respected them so much that I couldn't even utter a lie in their presence. So they always oh. got the most truthful Benji, the most upfront Benji that ever existed. So I thought that because of how they loved, I valued that from them. So I was always upfront with them and they just loved me to a fault, man. They knew I had faults. <laughs> but they loved me to a fault and they just that was just them and anybody that knew them if you talk to them they'd say the same thing and people miss them to this day so i'm curious just uh, i flashed back to when you were telling me about the teacher that said i'm gonna be on you like white on rice right and the approach of these so like that approach didn't work this approach right. did work was it yes. an age thing with you was it the love versus accountability emphasis thing with you? What do you think it was that um, actually worked? <laughs> I think it was approach because the white on, white on rice lady got directly in my face and was more bulldogish about it. Mm. That grr, you know, type. And I had that approach I had seen all my life and it turned me off. You know what I mean? Like my aunts did that to me. You know what I mean? So you do that to me. And I understand she probably meant well because that was her style, but it just didn't resonate with me because I'm like, I was used to seeing that already. I was used to being, you know, cussed out in the face and, you know, told this and told that and being pressured and, you know, I was used to that. I saw that was, was, wasn't attracted to that. Um, but these two, they didn't approach me like that. There's, there's a, um, they, they approached me in my weakest state, um, I believe, and just was like, I see something great in you. And, you know, same concepts, you know, I'm going to be on you like white on rice. She wanted to push me, I'm sure. They just wanted to see that come out and they just approached it different. So I respected it a little bit more. And that's what made me like, okay, all right. And then after that, I actually gave them chances to show it. You know what I mean? Because I could have took off duck and ran myself <laughs> like normal. But I was like, no, nah. I was like, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to hang around. These folks are showing me love. You know what I mean? And they yeah. continued to show that. It wasn't something that was, you know, chatter in the beginning and then uh, wasn't ex uh, um, shown days and years and months after so was that the family that you wound up staying with when you moved out to california uh, no I, I ended up staying when my uncle and my aunt scared my aunt scared me off because she was so dogmatic 
know, she was she was the she was she was that. You know what I mean? So I fell, and so went out and got my own place and all that type of stuff. And uh, eventually found out, you know what, like I, you know, I need to find something to do. So I ended up getting kind of into church and things of that nature. And so that's how I stumbled upon the church by accident and just actually ended up meeting them and just thought they were the dopest people you could ever run into. So I stuck around and showed up every Sunday and Tuesday and Wednesday and just kind of got a feel for like, yo, like this atmosphere is loving so let me continue to come and come and come and come and show my support show my love clean the church if i have to and then that's when they allowed me the opportunity to actually talk they allowed me that opportunity to actually get up and speak and i didn't know i could speak so well and so boom there you go that's how that's how origin story dude god bless the friendly people at church who don't who are open and trying to welcome the outsiders who are new. Hey man, I'm fortunate. I know some people have some horror stories about it, but, um, I kind of, I was, I was always told, treat it like a watermelon. You eat the watermelon, but you spit out the seed. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of how I, it's like, you're going to, you're going to meet some people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But take what you can from it and enjoy the experience as much as you can because you're never going to find you know absolute anywhere you know what i mean so that's kind of the approach i took and 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 i was fortunate enough like i said man when i got on this side of life i was unfortunate enough man to meet some amazing people that made some great imprints on my life and i'll always be grateful for those people so were you always curious about the church? Was that something that was important to you in Dallas? Or like what oh. led you to get in that lane in um, California? Man, it was like never really wasn't a church kid or anything like that. Um, I know, you know, we would go every so often, but we weren't in it like that. You know what I mean? My mom wasn't religious. My brothers wasn't religious. None of us really were. I mean, you know, we knew if someone asked us to go to church, you know, we, we'd go, you know what I mean? But we'd <laughs> it's, it's probably respectful. be clowning around if we were in there, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, church, I think, became a thing for me when I realized, like, these people actually showed me love. So it's kind of like that thing. It's kind of like if someone is, uh, uh, like, growing up in the hood, growing up in the streets, and then one of the local gangs or the homies show you like this amazing love. Like it just looks out for you. Mm. Make sure you got shoes on your feet. Make sure you ate. Make sure you this. Make sure you that. You know, that type of thing. And love is love. Love in its genuine approach doesn't matter where it comes from. If it's legit, if it's love, it can come from anyone. And when you experience that, you know it because you haven't felt that anywhere else. Nobody's making sure you're good. You're all right, you're all right, bro. Like you good. I saw you laboring a little bit. I saw you did, you know, you good? Did you eat yesterday? You know what I'm saying? Your kids good? You know what I mean? How you doing in school? You go you going to college? You know what I mean? Like everything good? And that's how my uncle got me to come out here. He just walked up to me and was like, How you doing? How's everything going? At a funeral. Like, what's going on? You doing all right? That basic dude to to again, not not to interrupt, but to emphasize. That yes. sounds so basic. 
It does. Right? Like, and, 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 it's and, so and, easily and, taken for granted. Oh, my God. Right. And that that approach worked for me. It always works for me. Um, I'm always um, under the idea, the impression that a soft answer turns away wrath. So in a lot of us, that soft answer, sometimes it, it speaks, you know what I mean? I know sometimes we have to be raw, raw. Some of us need to be pushed. Mm-hmm. I have enough motivation on my own, like to where I'm always pushing myself a hundred miles per hour anyway. So sometimes that soft answer for me is what did it for me. Cause I grew up around the raw, 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 raw all the time. So I, mean, I don't need that. Like that don't motivate me. Even when I played football, coach getting in my face. That ain't helping me. Bro, I need to go out and run this route better. I know that already. I know I have to. <laughs> I need to Dude, that's so... Jesus. Like, it's such a pet peeve of mine, like as a basketball coach, when the yeah. best criticism a kid gets is, make a layup! You're like, yeah. yo, I'm almost positive he was trying to make the layup when he missed it. He probably <laughs> needs to like, yo, dude, next time you go, why don't you up fake? Or, hey, man, your feet weren't on balance. So when you go right. left, right plant that right foot. You got an extra second. Don't rush it. You know, like some specific thing that the kid can work on versus the, you know, we got to get a bucket. And you're like, okay. yeah. yeah, everybody and knows, dude. What worked for me. It was like, <laughs> yo, like yeah. what you did was, is you actually didn't come off your foot right. Yeah. And that's, believe it or not, that's basic technique in basketball. You know, yeah. you don't, you don't take off the free throw line unless you're Giannis. You know what I'm saying? You can, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You gotta follow even the free throw. It's like so. It's like a shooting coach. You know what I mean? No, I think you need to bring your elbow up a little bit more. You get what I'm saying? That's yeah. why you're missing that free throw, and you're frustrated. Like, what the heck? What the heck? I'm missing this. I know yeah. I'm doing this right. <laughs> right. I appreciate it, my man. Again, I thank you for uh, having me on. Thank you for uh, the opportunity uh, to uh, uh, jump on and just kind of. Get to know Benji Banks, man. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a mixed bag of results, bro. Like I can come from so many angles and talk about so many things, and uh, uh, it's refreshing to kind of come on and talk about that. I'm opening up a little bit more as I get older to this concept. So, yeah, dude, it's got to be tough. And it was actually I don't know. I, again, like I don't want to take up too much of your time, but getting into the church aspect where you're guarded, but the church is about forgiveness and acceptance. I was really interested in that dynamic. And it sounds like the two mentors you fortunately came across almost like bridge, maybe bridge that gap, not to put words in your mouth, but like allowed you to be a little vulnerable with people and to start opening up, man. No, because what that did was also was it allowed me to actually be because I had my story, it actually allowed, it was therapeutic for me, it actually allowed me to get up and be able to uh, talk about my story. And that was, in a sense, man, and sorry, I'm coming down the stairs. I'm it's sure okay. I probably went dark there for a minute. Uh, I, it allowed me to actually talk about my story. And uh, that helped me tremendously early on because I wasn't sitting back with the woe is me mentality. Mm. I was actually assisting and helping people uh, at an early age and telling them how you can overcome and hosting youth meetings and things of that nature and uh, allowing 
the focus to not be on me, so to speak, even though to a degree it is because you're up, you're speaking, you're talking, but it took the focus off of me. And then I started seeing other people's experience because you can get trapped in the idea or the concept that you're the only one going through these things. You're your own hero. Like, right. Right. That's probably the worst place to be. Right. And you have to be careful because uh, that's a tactic. I believe it's used a lot that uh, you're the only one going through this. When in actuality, man, you start finding out, oh, my gosh, there's tons of kids that grew up in these environments. And uh, some were fortunate, some weren't, you know, and uh, I'm to hear the redemption story or the the, the success story just kind of takes a little bit of that sting away from the situation. So it helps a ton. Dude, I love it. I I love the message, Benji. I'm hoping that uh, someday soon I'll be sipping on some wine of yours. And um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're we're going to, I'm going to figure out some kind of way to make that happen, man. So uh, shoot me a DM or whatever you got to do. I'll figure something out. Uh, getting that address. I'll figure out a way to get something to you. There's always a way. Dude, no me. doubt. There is always a way. Um, <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited because one of my favorite things is the kind of, and well, not, yeah, I guess it is one of my favorite things. Me starting my own little try to be business, right? With this podcast is, yes. it's really nice to crack a bottle, sip some wine and like just get to know random people. And I had no idea. I really thought this would be way more like business oriented of a conversation. Right. And um, I appreciate you sharing about your past and then actually sharing about the business aspects too, man. Little insights that I think um, if people listen, almost like what you were saying, just if you relax and listen, you can grab, you can grab knowledge that'll help you in life, man. I I, like, that's what I'm all about. It's really cool when I come across people who are also about that. Yes, sir. That's, that's me, man. I'm still navigating this. uh, We weren't given a script for this life. But I can tell you one thing, man, as long as you don't give up, if you keep learning, man, and if you keep going, you're going to feel emotions, you're going to feel ups, you're going to feel downs, you're going to feel all of those because it comes with the journey of being a human. But I can tell you, man, if you just keep going, if you keep going uh, uh, and press through it, uh, uh, on the other end, there are some successes that will make you smile along the way and say, you know what, man, I, I thank God I came through that because I can share this side of what it looks like so that makes it even better yeah that inspirational part right so it doesn't make it about you it's about hey man so you don't have to go through what i went through type stuff yeah very true very true benji man thank you so much for your time i look um, forward to being able to follow you now on social media and know more about you from a distance and um, i'm sure we'll interact here and there yes sir Yes, sir. We definitely will. Um, and we got to get some wine your way. Dude. So I, I plan on I plan on uh, sending you a couple gifts. So go in that store. Sit, let me know. Uh, I have a gifting section uh, that I just created kind of on the side okay. to where I can actually send a couple gifts your way. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. So I, I, I got you. I got you. Love it. All right, man. Thank you so much for getting back on the Zoom, honestly, <laughs> to yep. give it a proper ending. I really appreciate it. And um, have a good night, man. You too, my man. And you have a great one. Blessings to you. Thank you. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it.
Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.